Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again we come before You asking that You would continue to abide with us in the furtherance of this worship. We thank You for the blessing of being able to assemble together and ask that You would grant us the health and strength that is needed to continue honoring and serving You in this capacity. We know that without You, we are nothing. We realize and know that unless You bless our assembly together, it will be just so many words. And we really don't want that. We want it to be to Your honor and glory first and foremost. And pray that You would attend to what is being spoken and that it might be food to the souls of those who hear. We live in a day when very few in comparison to the whole of society really desires to hear the truth of the gospel. And it appears that some who profess to (coughs) believe the truth of the gospel are willing to compromise on many areas of life. Thou knowest the heart. We cannot judge that. We look upon the outward appearance of many things. And we are quick to confess that very often we are blinded to our own inconsistencies and sins. We pray that You would open our eyes and strengthen us to live in a way that is honoring and pleasing unto You in the calling wherewith You have called us. We confess that sometimes we, we <coughs> when we are in diverse straits, we sinfully wonder why. We know that there is a 
scriptural situation wherein we can ask why. Even our Lord did when He was upon the cross and cried out unto Thee, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? And while we do not think ourselves in any way to qualify being in a straight as our Lord, we confess that there are many things in life that puzzles us. But this we know, you're God. You're there. You rule in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. The wrath of man praises you and the remainder you restrain. The secret things belong unto you, but you have given us your word that we might know and do. So help us to leave those secret things into your care and keeping. Help us to be able to believe what you have said and take it into our heart and soul in such a way that it will honor and glorify you. Again, we pray that you would be with those that are absent from us due to their sicknesses and that you would raise them up speedily and bless them to go about in their normal health. (coughs) And we pray this for all of us that we might be able to serve you to the fullest of our capacity. We continue to pray for the nation in which we live. It certainly appears, at least to me, (coughs) that you have turned us over to ourselves for destruction. But I know that you can intervene and you can change that. You could grant revival. You could cause people to come to their senses. Even beyond that, to bow to the truth of the Holy Scriptures. But you will not be mocked. And we realize that 
because you have said many years ago, <coughs> and it's been proven time and time again, that the nation that forgets you shall be turned into destruction. But again, we pray, as we have so many times, that you lead us not into temptation, that you deliver us from evil, and that you bless us to be able to lead a quiet and a peaceable life all the days as we live out our lives upon this earth. But if we're called on to suffer, we pray that you would uphold us and strengthen us to glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We come back to First <coughs> John chapter 2. And we left off last time looking at verse 4. But I do want to read verse 3 and read down through verse 6. I don't know whether we'll get through all of these (coughs) verses this morning or not, but at least it'll kind of bring us into uh, all of these verses in context. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the word is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. (coughs) Hope the Lord bless my throat to continue. We left off looking at this, this word that we all no doubt are familiar with. And that is the word, Liar. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. That's a very, very strong statement. According to (coughs) Webster's 1828 Dictionary, a person who knowingly utters falsehood, this is a liar, one who declares to another as a fact that he knows, excuse me, he he declares as a fact what he knows to be not true and with an intention to deceive him. 
the uttering of falsehood by mistake, and without an intention to deceive, does not constitute one a liar. And then Webster went on to say uh, that a liar, according to 1 John 2, is one who denies Christ. A person who denies the Lord Jesus Christ is a liar. Is a liar. This word lie is only used a few times. And let's look at it as it's used in other places and then we'll come back to 1 John. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 8, we find Jesus uses this word as He talks to the Pharisees and His enemies. In John chapter 8, in verse 44, well, let's go back to verse 42. Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, ye would love Me. Now we need to keep that in mind because as we continue on in 1 John, particularly chapter 2, as well as the rest of the Scriptures, we're going to see that you cannot love God without loving Christ. And if you love Christ, you will love God. The religious world, and sad to say, some who profess to be Christian, believe that (coughs) one may deny the Lord Jesus Christ and still be saved. This is contrary to the Scriptures. And Jesus made it plain right here when He said, If God were your Father, ye would love Me. Without question, if a person does not love Christ, he cannot say that God is his Father. (coughs) Much of so-called Christianity talks about the fatherhood of God and how the God is the Father of all men. That is not scriptural. God is only the Father of His children. Now, He's the Creator of all men, but He's not the Father of all men. Again, if God were your Father, ye would love Me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of Myself, but He sent Me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. (coughs) He was a (coughs) murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
even when the devil will quote scripture, he does it with the intent of deceiving. He never quotes scripture for the intent of glorifying God. He's a liar. He's a liar. And he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So if you want to know where lies come from, it comes from the devil. There's no such thing as a little white lie that is godly. All lie is from the devil. And we have to realize that. <coughs> Some people say, well, <coughs> I just told a little white lie. That doesn't really uh, matter anything about that. But uh, Revelation uh, 21.8 says, And all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. Jesus goes on to say, And because I tell you the truth, ye believe not. Why is it they don't believe? Because they believe a lie. They don't believe the truth. Which of you convinceth me of sin? Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a, a Samaritan and hath the devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, but ye dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. <clears throat> verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast the devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death, taste death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. But Jesus reiterates to them that they are liars, and he is not, because he tells them of the truth. I won't read it, but the next place is in Romans 3, 4, where it says, We're well familiar, let God be true, and every man a liar. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul talks about that 
the commandment of God is against those that lie. In Titus <clears throat> chapter 1 and verse 12, quoting one of the poets of the Cretans that said that the Cretans are always liars. <clears throat> that would be politically incorrect today to say that a group of people are a people that all time telling lies. To identify a class of people as liars. That's not politically correct today, but uh, there are classes of people that are liars. We have them in our government. We have them in our entertainment business. We have them in the advertising business. And... We won't run down that rabbit hole. But in 1 John, this word is used quite often beside uh, in the verse in which we're looking. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 10 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Now, we live in a society where people talk about uh, mistakes. I made a mistake. Uh, I did something that was not right. But you hardly ever hear anyone say, I sinned. The idea of sinning is not popular today. And just about anybody who professes to be alive thinks that when he dies, everything's going to be better off. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. For the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And if it is not covered by the blood of Christ, he will be in hell and be in hell forever. It doesn't matter how much one uh, denies that truth or argues against it. It is a fact and will be noted in due time. Next is used in our verse, chapter 2 and verse 4, but then in the next place, in 1 John verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is an antichrist and denieth the Father and the Son. Notice that. <coughs> whoever, <coughs> whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, he's not only antichrist, but he denies the Father as well as the Son. Again, <coughs> we see that you cannot <coughs> excuse me again you can see that you cannot deny Christ 
and love God. If you deny Christ, you deny God. And if you deny Jesus as the Christ, you're not only Antichrist, you're a liar. <coughs> because there's enough evidence, <coughs> there's enough evidence to show that Jesus was the Christ. <clears throat> Even Josephus, who did not believe in Christ, who was a Jewish historian, talked about Jesus and called him a man, and he went ahead to say if it be lawful to call him a man. <clears throat> Josephus recognized that there was something unusual about Jesus Christ. Dropping down into uh, the fourth chapter of 1 John, in verse 20, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? seen. You see, you cannot hate God's children and be a lover of God. It's impossible. It's impossible. And how many religious splits have there been out of just sheer hatred alone? And people saying, malicious things, and even lying about other people. I've had people uh, that were professing believers in my own congregation to lie about me and to tell lies about me. You say, well, uh, are they children of God or not? I'll leave that up to God. I will say there's a difference in somebody saying a lie maybe one time and another who constantly lies. But I do know this. I've had enough said about me at various times to know that several people are saying the same thing that's not true. And one of the first times that I ever had a, uh, a person to lie about me was not only in the first congregation that I ever pastored, but he was a deacon. And he asked me what I believed about a particular subject. And when I told him what I did believe, he twisted that and said I believed in free love. Well, that was just entirely uh, opposite. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And you find that 
not only in some circles, sadly to say, you find it in many circles throughout what's called Christianity besides other religions. And then lastly, in chapter 5 of 1 John and verse 10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believed not the record that God gave of his Son. I think that's pretty incriminating for a person to call God a liar. Don't you think so? That's what he says here. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Because he believed not the record that God gave of his son. You see, it all centers around the Lord Jesus Christ. What think ye of Christ? Some years ago, (coughs) I preached a series of sermons on what think ye of Christ. And it is very important that you believe the truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, <coughs> Jesus said through John in 1 John 2, 4, He that saith, I know him, that is, I know God, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. He not only is a liar, but he doesn't have truth. <coughs> You see, you cannot trust the words of an individual that denies the Son of God. Obviously, if the truth is not in a person, then the spirit of truth is equally missing. Look in John chapter 14 first. In other words, if the truth is not in an individual, then obviously the Spirit of truth or the Holy Spirit is not in the individual. John 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. You know why you know the truth, and the world doesn't? Simply because Christ, the Holy Spirit, is in you. It's not because you're smarter than others. It's not because you know more Bible than others. It's simply because God in sovereign mercy put His truth in you. In John 15, 
Verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Now, I've emphasized this many times before, and I want to do it again. Notice that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to testify of Jesus, not of Himself. There are religious groups that uh, talk about the Spirit, the Spirit this, the Spirit that, the Spirit is in me, the Spirit calls me to do this, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. Well, uh, it's very doubtful that they uh, are talking about the same Spirit that Christ is talking about because the Holy Spirit doesn't testify of Himself. He testifies of Christ. And in the 16th chapter of John, verse 13, makes this abundantly clear what we have just said. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself. Notice that. The Spirit doesn't glorify Himself. The Spirit glorifies Christ. But whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. So in order to speak the truth and to have the truth, then you must by necessity have the Spirit of Truth. Regarding the definition of truth, again I quote from Webster's 1828 uh, uh, Dictionary, but I can't quote it all because uh, of time's sake, because uh, Webster lists 13 different explanations for truth. However, I will give the first. It's conformity to fact or reality. Just because we think something is the truth doesn't make it the truth. We must conform and we must believe what is real? What is true? <clears throat> Conformity to fact or reality, exact accordance with that which is, or has been, or shall be. The truth of history constitutes this whole value. We rely on the truth of the scriptural prophecies. And then supporting this, he gave Proverbs 8, My mouth shall speak truth. And then he gave from John 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And the, he also 
supplied uh, from John 3 to do truth is to practice what God commands. You say, how do I know I'm doing the truth? Are you practicing what God commands? That's what's true. That's what's true. It's not what we think. Truth is the accumulation of facts that are designated as true by God. (coughs) I recently saw in the news where this uh, latest telescope that sent out into space said that they have contacted a galaxy, I believe, that took something like 13 plus billion years for the light to come to us and therefore uh, moving the date of the universe back. Well, I believe God. I believe God. You say, how do you explain all of that? I don't have to explain it. I can't explain how God created everything out of nothing. But because it appears that it took light that long to get to us, I'm quite sure God can make light appear immediately. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, when He said, let there be light, there was light. Whether it be light from the stars, the moon, galaxies, or whatever, at that moment, light was upon the earth. So you either believe the truth of the Scriptures, or you come up with man's imaginations and man's calculations and man's uh, philosophizing, And you deny and give and don't give credence to the Word of God. You're either living a life of truth or a life of a lie. And we live in a society that promotes the idea that two opposing statements may be equally true. In other words, somebody said, well, I believe there's a God. Another said, well, I don't believe there's a God. Well, what, what is good for you may not be good for me, but what's good for me may not be good for you, but both may be true. No, if you have two opposing ideas, either one is true and the other false, or both of them are false. You have to realize that. We live in a society that does not want to believe there is such a thing as truth. 
That's the reason we have people of all different sorts that are constantly uh, trying to destroy society as it is. Everything is false that is not in agreement with truth. Everything is false that is not in agreement with truth. And whatever is stated is either the truth or a lie. There's no gray. There's no in-between. And that's the reason, beloved, it is essential that we know the Word of God. It is essential that we read and study the Scriptures and live out, live out our lives according to the truth of the Scriptures. There's a lot of things in life that are unpleasant. And in trying to live in obedience to the Word of God, there are many unpleasant experiences. And you have much opposition. We have lived in a nation for so many years <coughs> that is quite <coughs> different from society as a whole throughout history. But we are fast, fast losing the freedoms that we have. And the truth of the Scriptures is continually under attack. The truth of the Scriptures is continually under attack. Our government has made it quite clear in certain areas recently that it denies the truth of the Scriptures with regard to marriage. And the only thing that's going to change that is God. The only thing that's going to change that is God. Republicans are not going to change it. How many of them uh, rose up and voted for this ungodly act. Democrats are not going to change it. They're going to talk about it. But when it comes down to voting, you see how they vote. You see how they vote. In verse 5, But whosoever keepeth the word of God, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. This idea of keeping the word of God is 
Keep on keeping. Keep on keeping. The word word here is logos. And it is literally the truth. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Word of God is true. In verse 4, it speaks of keeping the commandments of God. But here in verse 5, it is His Word that we are to keep. In other words, what this means is that it's not merely the do's and don'ts of the Scriptures that's to be observed but the very spirit of knowing, walking, and desiring to follow the Lord in every precept. It's not just, you know, like the rich young ruler, you know, he told the Lord, said, I've, I've kept everything that you've said. And he said, there's one thing that you haven't done, and go sell all that you have and give to the poor. But he thought he'd done everything. And because we've done all the outward things, that seems to be uh, pretty clear. In other, in other words, we don't go around robbing folks and we don't go around uh, committing unlawful uh, sin, uh, sexual acts. We don't go around uh, murdering folks and things like that. You know, we, we go to church every Sunday and, you know, we, we read our Bibles on a daily basis. So we're pretty good folks. But do we keep everything? Do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our understanding 24-7? No, we don't. A lot of times we're thinking about woe is me. And do you realize when we are aggravated at what's going on in our life that we're aggravated at the providence of God? I have to wrestle with that continually. If I'm not content with where God has put me, or if I'm not content with what's going on in my life, and I'm not resigned to the will of the Lord, what is it but kicking against the providence of God? That doesn't mean that some things don't hurt. It doesn't mean that some things uh, are uh, sorrowful to us. But am I submissive? Am I willing to abide by the Word of God in everything? Here he talks about the love of God and the love of God being perfected. 
And as you know, we could preach several sermons on the love of God. We've done that before in the past. But the English words, love, loved, loveth, beloved, and so on, are found, listen to this, the English word for love, or loved, or loveth, and so on, are found 51 times in 29 verses in 1 John alone. These little five chapters. The word love, 51 times in 29 verses. I think we can safely say that this word love is very important in this epistle. The word love in the verb form is 29 times in 17 verses in this And it's been said that this word uh, for love and the corresponding noun uh, represents the characteristic word of Christianity. And since the spirit of revelation has used it to express ideas previously unknown, inquiry into its use, whether in Greek literature or in the Septuagint, throws but little light upon the distinctive meaning of the New Testament. In other words, this word for love, whether it's in the noun or the verb form, was hardly ever used in any other statement, even in the Septuagint. But there are a couple of places I would like for us to look in the Old Testament. Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19 and verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself I am the Lord. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Now, there are two words in the Greek that are for love. One is phileo, and the other is uh, uh, phylos. And these two words are often interchangeably 
used uh, for this agapao and, and agape. But there is a distinction between the two. This phileo or phylos, uh, you hear that in our English word Philadelphia. And you know what Philadelphia means, don't you? The city of brotherly love. In other words, uh, Philadelphia comes from two words, uh, phylos for love and adelphos for brother, brotherly love. In other words, it's just a, a, basically a natural affection. But the idea that we're talking about here is that chiefly of the heart and not of the head. Chiefly of the heart and not of the head. There is another Greek word that's for love and it's eros. But that word is never found in the Scriptures. And you should know why. Because our English word uh, 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 well, I just went blank. Uh, eros, uh, uh, erotic. In other words, it's a sexual love. That's never found. This Greek word is never found in the New Testament or in the Scriptures in any way. So here we find a love that is beyond the natural realm. It is a love that is in, given to us by God. We'll say a little bit more about this, Lord willing, this afternoon, but uh, uh, we'll stop here for now. Heavenly Father, help us To love you as we ought. Help us to live in such a way that your love is perfected in us. On the surface, that seems impossible. And yet, we cannot deny the Scriptures. And it puts us in a situation that we cannot escape as to how we are to live to your honor and to your glory.
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.